Hey, Night Owls. Welcome to the next episode of Isn't It Past Your Bedtime? I'm Rachel. And I'm Krista. Uh, this week, we're talking about a couple nonfiction picks, because I know that that's not like our usual. It's not really my preferred, if I'm going to be honest. But yeah. that does mean I get an opportunity to read true crime. So I'm not mad Ooh. about it. Mm-hmm. I almost did true crime. And then I was like, but then it would just be a true crime nonfic episode. And also, yeah. I ran out of time and I needed a shorter book. So so some reasons. That's mm-hmm. fair. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I'm just always open to any opportunity to read some true crime. Um, I don't really listen to like MFM or anything really anymore, honestly. Like Same. that was where like my true crime fix came in. But I don't know. Books are pretty good, but they're not all equal. This one was good, though, I will say. OK, good. Yeah, I was like some of them. Sometimes they're not very good. <laughs> yeah. You start it and I'm like, no, we're not. Nope. We're not going with this one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the book that I picked, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go for it. Yeah, jump um, on in. So I did The Girl in the Leaves by Robert Scott. Um, he wrote this in conjunction with, uh, one of the survivors and then her dad. So Sarah Maynard and Larry Maynard. I will okay. get to them in a minute. Um, I will say that, like I mentioned before, not all true crime books are like very good. I think that where that walks the line is like, how procedural is it? Right? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if you've tried to read like Helter Skelter. That one is like dense and all procedural. Like it's very hard to get through. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like I have not finished it yet. Um, this one is like a good balance of it, like being a story and also giving you a ton of details. Like okay. it really covers like all the witness statements. It even goes through like anonymous tips, like just like random um, details from the crime scenes and everyone's alibis and a coroner's report, victim impact statements. Like it's very thorough in its reporting without making it like boring. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I, really I think a lot of it is like that. how they lay it out too. Like, like tell me the story yeah. and like sprinkle the information and it does need to be like A and then B. Yeah. And I get it. Like they're trying to figure out like the right balance of like talking about the victims versus talking about like the murderer. I mean, it's true crime. There's a murderer. Mm -hmm. Um, So this particular story though, did a good job with it. Um, But I will tell you what true crime story that this is following. So this is talking about um, a, I'm like, there are three murders and a kidnapping in November, 2010 in Ohio. I don't remember exactly where, but Ohio doesn't really matter. Um, The, perpetrator is matthew hoffman he had a history of being in jail for arson and endangering persons so he basically like burned down an apartment building or something Mm. and there were people inside and so he was in jail i think he served like six years not a lot um he was kind of young when it happened when he commits the crimes that happened in this book he's 30 and so Basically, the series of events that leads to um, the crimes and then why this book's written is it's kind of an interesting one. Uh, so he gets out of jail. He goes and starts like a regular life. Like he has a girlfriend and he lives in suburbia and he has a job cutting like trimming trees. He like lies, though, about not having like a felony history. And he lies about like his experience with tree trimming mm-hmm. and like slowly that like mask that people can make kind of starts to slip so like at first his neighbors are like really comfortable with him like he hangs out around their children his girlfriend has a son who's around like the neighbor's kids age but like people start to think that like he's a real weirdo and like of course when you ask people questions though after the fact knowing that this guy just like murdered your neighbors like you're gonna say you thought he was weird yeah so like hindsight is like way more easy to be like oh he was a creep so yeah, grain of salt, but it does sound like before these incidents happened, like people were already starting to kind of like 
see that there was something off. And then mm. that's like kind of what led him to commit these crimes. Um, his girlfriend like left him. He started doing this like thing where he was eating like dead squirrels. Like he was like yeah. killing squirrels around the neighborhood and like freezing them and then like eating them. And like the neighbors were pissed. They're like, we feed those squirrels. Like and then all of a sudden he kills them. Huh. And then, I mean, yeah, not like squirrels, but you know, that's not the point. I I've guess. heard of people who do that. Like, okay, it's weird, sure, but like, I don't think it's like the weirdest thing. No, you know not I mean? the weirdest. That's fine, but don't eat them. It's that's very high up on the but weirdness. It's, it's yeah, I don't like that at all. Um, but basically, things started to get weird. His girlfriend left him, and his life kind of like went into a tailspin. So one of the things that he really enjoys doing is going into people's homes when they're not there. Yeah, why not? Yeah. Yeah, he's like I, he finds it interesting and exhilarating and so he would like stake out houses and like that kind of thing like he had some like um burglary burglary charges and other scenarios so like mostly like smaller other than the arson like mostly smaller other petty crimes mm-hmm. like nothing really major that necessarily would indicate that this man's gonna be a murderer like yeah. <laughs> so it clearly is like an in the moment thing um there is a lot of weird stories he gives about like kind of what happens and so a lot of this book is kind of trying to like piece together like a coherent narrative of it but because we do have a survivor we do get some more information um so his life falls apart he decides to kill people i suppose because he had all of the equipment and he bought it weeks before so it was clearly a premeditated act um it's kind of unclear how premeditated and he at one point says like oh i didn't even know that that happened Mm. like yeah he like it's very like i said he has a bunch of really weird stories um but basically he goes into this house this family lives there uh the maynards so uh the people living in this house are tina the mom and she's 32 years old and then her two children cody who is 11 and sarah who's 13 and she lives with her boyfriend greg um at the beginning of this book they have like a lot of background on this family it's kind of unnecessary honestly like that's the only part where I felt like it was like kind of an unnecessary detail it like talks about like Tina's marriage to like her children's father and like how it they got divorced and he lives somewhere else and whatever um but basically Tina is planning on leaving her current boyfriend and so he does like sort of become a suspect at some point because they're Mm. like well maybe he knew and like that he was acting like in a way that like people didn't think was like the way he would act like he seemed too calm or whatever you know everyone acts differently and chaos Mm -hmm. like yeah yeah this is a big stressor everyone's gonna react differently everyone has different ways of doing it not most of them aren't typically wrong there are obviously some wrong but right so um this is the house though that uh matthew decides to break into um greg is gone for the night i think night or weekend he's gone uh he's like out of town for like a work thing or something um the kids are at school uh Matthew's in the house and then Tina, the mom comes in the house with Stephanie, one of her neighbors slash best friend. They're like, they went like grocery shopping. They're like stay at home mom types. They were doing like apartment hunting that day because, you know, Tina's planning on leaving her uh, boyfriend and Matthew just like runs at them and just stabs them and murders them. Like just oh. like goes for it. Like, it's just like a bum rush. Like, okay. Yeah. And that's just- not what I thought was going to happen. <laughs> no, I didn't either. I'm like, I, I did read the first part of it and then I ended up listening to it because I was busy and I was like, I need to be able to multitask right now. Um, But yeah, I didn't really expect that. <laughs> like, yeah, I didn't think he was just going to like suddenly just like come at them stabbing. Like it almost felt like fake. Like I was like, I know that this happened, but like this seems like something that would like happen on a television show, like mm-hmm. not something that would happen in real life. Like there's a lot of things about this. So just that happened the back door instead. 
Out the back door. Yeah. Like Leave it describes that they like come in the front door. And I mean, obviously nobody was there except Matthew and he gives a bunch of different um information. But like once they like examine the house and stuff, like there's a lot of blood everywhere. Um, so they can kind of piece together what happened. But basically mm-hmm. he like just stabs them. I think both of them in the coroner's report had like 10 to 13 stab wounds like Jeez. in their abdomen. Like he went for it. Like this guy's pissed. Like yeah. he's clearly a like my life is falling apart because he doesn't kill anybody else outside of the people that he kills in his house but like this is wild right like you don't just like suddenly decide to stab all your neighbors Mm -hmm. um so the children were at school but while he is cutting up the bodies upstairs into pieces you know put them in bags and transport them elsewhere uh the the children come home that's unfortunate timing yeah it really is uh so the kids come in um they realize immediately that something's wrong like mom's always there to greet you at the door you know um there's blood on the floor i was gonna say i'm assuming there's a lot of blood uh they're i mean they're young but they're not like not like five six you know they Mm -hmm. have at least enough awareness to know that like something's off um they're not in the door for very long when he bum rushes the kids like he wasn't expecting them to be there he uh, when asked later, he does say, like, I didn't know that, like, school was out early or something that day. Um, or maybe he had miscalculated the time. Not mm-hmm. sure. But basically, he didn't expect them to be there. The so he clearly knew that children lived here, right? Mm-hmm. Um, for some reason, he chooses not to kill Sarah, the daughter. He's not super sure why. Mm-hmm. Um, but he does, like, like just stab the little boy in the head. Like, oh, jeez. Yeah, so I'm going to put, like, one of those, like, big child trigger warnings murder at the beginning of, like, the caption for this episode because, like, that's pretty traumatic. Like, the way they do describe, like, how he kills Cody is pretty awful. Mm -hmm. Um, But he chooses not to kill Sarah for some godforsaken reason. I mean, I mean, it could go either way, right? Like, it could be a blessing to not know, but, like, she she hasn't seen anything, though, either. So, like, he's like, well, she hasn't really seen anything. Like, she doesn't necessarily know that, like, her mom and her friend are dead. She doesn't see those bodies. She doesn't, she runs upstairs when he comes and attacks them. And so she doesn't see her brother die. Like, she has some assumptions about what's happened. Like, the family dog's not home. And so she assumes that they're dead, basically. Like, Mm -hmm. she's not an idiot. She's 13. Like, she saw the blood. Yeah. Um... But he kidnaps her instead. Hmm. And he, I don't like the series of events right here. Like you'll read the book and you'll see. But basically he keeps her in his house for like, I think it's like four or five days on a bed of leaves in like this tiny like basement room. That's why it's called the girl in the leaves. Because when they find her, she's just like laying in this bed of leaves. Uh Um, He keeps her there for like a long time. He tries to feed her. The dead squirrels and she was like absolutely not i'm not eating those yeah. but like he like sexually assaults her um he gives very incorrect statements about what happened with them he was like oh no i never chained her up like when she slept i just i handcuffed her to me or i put my arm over her so she couldn't move or whatever and she was like nope that's definitely not what happened <laughs> like so like he he really tries to downplay it like once he's caught like what really went down with sarah um i obviously believe her more yes. than i believe him <laughs> um so yeah the book does a good job about not getting too graphic but there are things that you can't really sugarcoat like mm-hmm. stabbing someone in the head 
Um, they do like allude to the sexual assault, but don't necessarily say exactly what happened. I think some of that is for privacy. And it also, again, was partly written by her and her dad. They used the two of them as a reference. Mm -hmm. Um, Sarah gets saved like only like halfway through this book because the craziest parts is just like the stories he starts giving the police and the things he starts like saying, Mm -hmm. because he's clearly caught, like she's in his basement. And at first he was like, well, you know. I didn't even know how she got there. I just knew that obviously I'd done something bad because she said I brought her there. And so I tried to do my best to just take care of her when she just appeared in my house. I didn't know what to (laughs) do. Most people would just let her go or call the police then. Right? Like, he's like, but she said I brought her there. So I guess I did. I just didn't know what I did. And so it's like, okay, is he like actually crazy? Is he just like trying to come up with some story that the police are going to believe? I think the craziest thing that he did was tell them that because at this point, nobody knows that like everyone else is dead. They haven't found these bodies. He put those bodies cut up into a trash bag. So Sarah's found first before any of the bodies. So oh, so they think the everybody's missing now. Well, they're assuming because she was found alive and they haven't found anybody else that they're dead, but they don't. I mean, like sure. when they're like looking for her, they think that they're looking they, for everybody. They just think they're missing. Yeah. Oh, okay. They just think they're missing. Because yeah, he, he cleans up the, the crime scene. He just like locks her in the trunk of his car while he like cleans up the crime scene. Like it's pretty chaotic. Yeah. Um, But she doesn't see that much. Like the very front of the book is kind of what made me pick this one. Like it says, uh, what young Sarah witnessed was terrifying, but what she didn't see was the stuff of nightmares. And it's so true. Mm. Like she didn't see her mom and the neighbor and her brother getting cut up into little pieces and put in plastic bags. He put them inside of like the hollow of a tree in like a park. Huh. Yeah. Not, a, not where I would pick no. personally. So but... after the police catch him, capture him, I was going to say catch and I was going to say capture and it became a <laughs> weird word. Um, after they get him and they're trying to interview him, he's like very quiet for a long time, but then he starts coming up with all these wild stories. And the wildest one that I think that he says is that he knows where the bodies are and he will tell his lawyer and his lawyer will be instructed to give them the information about the body's location once he's dead because he feels so bad about it he doesn't want to live so what he wants to do is he wants the police to pretend to let him escape and then kill him so he can die via suicide by cop yeah and then his lawyer will give them the location yeah for sure that's what we're gonna do we're gonna traumatize an officer for killing you after we let you go right like no dude um, no and obviously they said no we're not doing that um good job for that like he was like oh okay well you know i just i want to die but i was kidding i don't know where the bodies are so he like tries to like backtrack at that point like it just gets weird um that's pretty much the gist of this story like it's freaking wild though like she she's honestly lucky to have not seen any Mm -hmm. of that like, yeah. I can't imagine how traumatizing it would be to be kidnapped for, I guess I'm not sure because the crimes happen on, or the murders happen on a Wednesday. And then they say in the book that she was found like that fall fo- the following weekend, but that never sits right with me. I'm like, okay, does that mean like that Saturday right after yeah. Wednesday or is yeah. it the next weekend? Yeah. Is it three like, days or is it 10 days? 10. Like, yeah. So yeah. I'm not super sure how long she was in there, but they said that like she was in there long enough in the dark that like the light hurt. So I'm guessing it was the next week. Yeah. Like, the 10 day one probably. The tr- Yeah. Like like, mm-hmm. like 10 days. So I can't imagine like how much therapy you would have to go through after all that, especially like knowing your brother was killed. Like just so much um mm-hmm. it, they live in like a pretty small town too where like the prior years there had only been like one murder and one kidnapping in the last like 40 years 
Mm-hmm. And now he's like, oh, you know, I gotta, I gotta up yeah. those odds. So they're just like not equipped to deal with this. Mm-hmm. Um, the community really comes together. Obviously, like she has a lot of community support. Her dad ends up, you know, flying out. He's thrilled that she's alive, but finding her alive is like, well, then everybody else must be dead because mm-hmm. it's like. Why would they not be there? There's some speculation at some point that like maybe he had an accomplice um, that was never proven. Uh, they did, though, take the death penalty off the table in exchange for him telling where the bodies were. So mm-hmm. he does ultimately tell them, which is why I know where the bodies were. Um, but yeah, it was really messed up. Um, the victim impact statements, I thought, were really impactful. They did that at the end. Just like they did this like really a really good job of doing it chronologically where sometimes mm-hmm. they feel like true crime kind of jumps around a little bit. Yeah. Um, so those victim impact statements, though, like people were people were mad that like he didn't get the death penalty. They're like, that's not even fair that like he's allowed to like be in a jail and throwing a baseball around when my younger brother's dead and he can never throw a baseball again. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and I get it. I'd be pissed. Um I do still have like 20 minutes left on the audiobook, but I assumed that that's probably mostly credits. So yeah. I was like, mm, close enough. Mm-hmm. I'll probably finish it just to see if anything happens at that point, but I really doubt it. It was really like the last victim impact statement that I stopped because I was working. Um, but it was really good. I thought that like five out of five, especially for like a true crime, like the way that this was laid out, the way that there was like enough information, like in the coroner's report and everything that like, I felt like I was part of like seeing the flushed out like investigation without being like too deep in the weeds. Mm-hmm. Like it was really clear what the, like the main storyline was. And sometimes I think that that gets kind of lost. Um, yeah. And they did a good job of like focusing really on like the families. I don't think a lot of the true crime books that I've read focus a lot on like the victim statements but it was like a good portion like at mm-hmm. the end yeah no that's nice i like that it's like that more like we don't really care about the murderers like they did horrible shit let's focus on the people that they affected. yeah 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 so it was it was a really good pick um i haven't read a true crime in a while but i'm happy i picked this one yeah i feel like mine i either do true crime or science so i did science yeah. this time um and i was between like a bunch like so when i thought i had way more time i was going to do one about like the women who were like the human computers at nasa and then Ooh. i was going to do one about like the radium girls who like started glowing but, oh that would be good yeah they both sound really good they're just both really long um mm. and all of a sudden i was like oh shoot i have no time so i ended up doing astrophysics for people in a hurry by neil degrasse tyson which is only a four-hour listen and i probably could have read it in like three three and a half because it okay. is science so like even though it is like sort of like a dumbed down version it still takes a little bit to be like what is happening in here uh, that's why i don't pick science ones i'm like it hurts my brain i'm like i don't i don't know yeah gareth well, asked me like a basic biology question the other day and i googled it I <laughs> well and some of the science ones because i've done some some of them are like really well done or like they cause some go way too deep in the science and i'm like i don't have a master's degree sorry not working on my phd here um and then some just like scratch the surface and some do it well this one was done really well because the whole point of it is that like because he says in the beginning that like at the end of this, he hopes that, like, you know, you just have, like, you're just a little bit more curious than you were before. And you know just a little bit more than you did before. Um, the dedication in the book that I, it's, like, I love. I guess it's not technically a dedication, but it's, like, the start of it or whatever. It's, um, mm-hmm. the universe is under no obligation to make sense to you. Oh, I like that. Yeah. It's, like, a perfect setup. So it starts off, uh, basically, we start off, like, with the Big Bang. And he's explaining to us kind of how that happened and like and you know he's explaining all of these things that are going on and at one point it's like one trillionth billionth of a second has passed and then like 
all these other things are happening and like science stuff and like huh. there's protons and photons and turning into soup at some point like he literally explains how it's like soup and they're all just hanging out for like a really 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 long time huh. i can't remember how long um and then finally at one point it's like one whole second has passed now but yeah, so that's how it starts and then you know he even does talk about in there like you know some people who like are like no this can't make sense like it would need to be like there somebody had to create all of this and he was like those people mm-hmm. typically call him god and he was like but i don't know maybe like and that's one thing that i like he's like this is what science tells us like all throughout the book he's like this is what science tells us but also there's so much stuff that we don't know who knows he's like, though yeah yeah he's like i mean we also could be a simulation for like some aliens that are really smart who knows like we could all be zeros and ones right like basically all space dust it's fine yeah no one knows anything um except for we know some things uh and then it goes on you know and it's like and we're sure we through about like gravity and like e equals mc squared and like what that actually like is meat mm-hmm. like what it means and like why it matters and stuff like that um i started reading it and then i had to sw- i ended up switching to listening and i think if i had read it i would have like understood it more because it's one of those ones where like you can't if i was going to listen i would just need to like listen not do anything while listening because there is so much going yeah. on that i'm just like what is Sometimes happening? i have to like read it so i can like visualize it you know what i mean mm-hmm. like yeah. yeah and that's kind of one of these ones so I probably would be able to tell more about it if i had read the whole thing um but and then they talk about you know um if ever we are going to find aliens and interact with them the only way that you could like potentially communicate is via science like there's no way yeah. that one even if they have the correct anatomy to understand our vocal cords that they're going to understand any language of which we have on earth and so they've like sent out like um four different probes two probes for sure and then like two little things that i think maybe go with it uh but they're four different names so, mm-hmm. so it's like voyager one and two and Sirius one and two i think um but they like sent them out super far into space and everything like that like out past our galaxy and everything um and on the front it's like a gold plated and it has like here's like the universe and here's the milky way and they have it with like with stars and with science being like this is us this is we this is earth this is where we're from um they never heard back or they haven't heard back yet so but even that one he's like but is that did they not understand did they not have a way of coming back like who knows oh the second one that they sent um they also sent like a whole bunch of like so they sent like uh whale songs and some music that i can't remember who it was or something like that's a great idea because music can totally be broken down like science wise essentially Mm -hmm. like that's like the whole basis of project hail mary the book is like that's the only way you can interact with an alien is like between music and science because like it's a universal language Mm -hmm. like the note or whatever you know what I mean like yeah yeah so that's kind of so like they did that and there was like another third thing that went out but and it was that just kind of like played on loop being like oh maybe like if they don't like see this that's what they did um but yeah so they haven't heard back yet if ever who knows so but yeah so it's talking about like all of that like how the other planets how all like when they're discovering the different like moons and stuff how like moons get named how the planets get named so planets get named after gods and then like their moons get named after something that either relates to the god so like like their friends basically or like a lot of moons are named after shakespeare characters because there was like some guy oh there's like an ophelia moon Uh for one of the yeah that mm, that's interesting Mm -hmm. i didn't think about that so because i think it's it's uranus um the guy who like 
discovered it, I guess. And he was like recommending all the names for everyone, wanted to name it George after King George, which is who was his king at the time. And get out of uh, here, Britain. Science, by you. Science, science people were like, yeah, no, that doesn't make any sense because then it'd be like Venus, Earth, Mars, George. Like, see how that doesn't right. like roll off it's the like tongue. It's and you're missing yeah. the point. I get, but, the, I get the idea. I like your dedication, yeah. but no. Yeah, but they did keep his idea of naming moons after Shakespeare's characters. So he still kind of gets that in there. Okay, points, um, points. Yeah, and it talks about how like, so like at one point, you know, we're learning about the speed of light and how you literally can never go faster than the speed of light. And he was like, now he's like, what you might be thinking is like, how many people have said that like, oh, we'll never fly. Oh, the earth is flat. Oh, all these things that are then proven wrong with science. And he was like, so you might be thinking, while y'all dummies eventually you'll prove that one wrong and he was like but this one has science backing it up as to why you You literally cannot um and then like about how when science when scientists argue things like they're arguing like these specifics it's not opinions right like it's not right and so i think some of his examples were like um oh like you can't levitate for whatever reason or like oh you can't create you can't build a time machine and go back in time and kill your mom before she had you because now you're breaking the loss of causality and you can't do that and so it's like certain things like if you want to argue nonsense like they're just going to come at you with the science that breaks down your your nonsense so like when science yeah, like has rules like there are yeah. things that you are just they're just universal truths it's just a fact like just, yeah there's no arguing there's no wiggle room it's just a fact yeah and he was talking about there's these things that are named and i can't remember oh they're called quirks um because the guy who discovered them thought that there was only three of them at one time, and with it's an also, A, right? Q U A R R K S. Yeah. yeah, yeah. After like some, like some, I've sentence, heard that. It's like some random sentence in a play about the there's the three quirks, is what this so guy random. named them because he thought there was only three, but there's technically six because all the threes are in pairs, um, mm. and they're named what is it's like up, down, top, bottom, weird special or something i can't remember the two of those ones um but like uh also neil degrasse tyson narrates the book too so like that's i fun. love that um but he's like he's talking about like naming he's like because you know like something that like we do as astrophysicists that like nobody else none of our like chemists and biologists especially like geography friends can do is name things simply like we can name things simple mm-hmm. and, then, and then that's when you learn that it's up down top bottom. i love that so much yeah i was like oh my god perfect easy and like keep it easy yeah and like quarks are never like alone like they're always like in pairs or in groups and like they have like basically yeah. like uh, if you were to like pull them apart they're like bond gets stronger like a rubber band when you pull it really far apart like it's trying to mm-hmm. force it together as like, like pull back it. yeah mm-hmm. um and that's when like the soup reference comes up but that's the other thing like so he takes all of these like really really big ideas and he like breaks them down into things that like you can actually like relate to like literally he's like all these things are just bouncing around in our soup for like 10 million years waiting for something to happen and then you know like this asteroid thing comes and it happens and all this stuff and he's talking and he's like you know that's why all of our big favorite dinosaurs died off and you're like oh that's what the heck you've been talking about this whole time like okay uh he likes to use the word oodles there's oodles of information yeah that made i thought that was a lot of fun um but yeah there's just like all of these things and he just kind of like takes you through all of it and about how like um you know there's like we learned about gravity and now there's like relative gravity or whatever so like you're constantly like learning because it's like these people back then like you know newton or whatever with his little apple hit his head and then Mm -hmm. that's all he knew and he was like until then he was like there was no reason to believe that gravity worked anywhere else than like 
in yeah. your home where you're doing your gravity until Einstein had developed like the relative gravity, which is how we know that like gravity exists in all the places. Um, I think that there was definitely signs that gravity worked everywhere considering, you know, stuff wasn't floating around, but you know, I guess you couldn't there. prove it was yeah, gravity. That's, yeah. You that's the I mean? one. Yeah. There's no way to test it at the time. So, but there were signs. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. There was probably a good <laughs> hypothesis. Um, I also learned through all of this that um, Pluto and Pluto's moon both have like title. It's called titled tiding. Basically. So like we have like earth, earth's gravity has like we've tided the moon so like the how the tide that's our how tides, tides work our tides control the moon or the moon controls our tides and that's how it's stuck with us forever like and it can't go yeah. away pluto and its moon have done the same thing to each other and it has a really fun name that i can't remember now but so they both are like stuck to each other in both ways was this written before or after or after pluto wasn't a planet i'm thinking this has to be written before because he regularly talked granted uh pluto is it's a planet again though oh yeah like that's just, the thing is like they decided it wasn't at when i was like, like dwarf 15 planet. yeah but it's still considered a planet now when right i thought pluto demoted <gasps> declassified i don't know google called it demoted wow that's rude oh wait a minute this doesn't make any Seems sense. aggressive oh pluto Are demoted day is august 24th but what year did pluto august 24th really it's my mm -hmm. mom and brian's wedding anniversary oh fun well so sad for them i'll have to give them that fun fact yeah after pluto was demoted 2006 so this book was definitely written okay after because this book is that's close nearly that old um astrophysics now you guys get to listen to me type um yeah like i said i'm pretty sure they decided it was a planet again because like for a little while there they're like it's not a planet and then they're like okay all right it's a planet but i think you're right where they were like but it's a dwarf planet. yeah it's a dwarf planet but i think one um he still talks about it because like so it's part of what he's talking about like he's kind of taking us like through time with it so like a lot of it is talking about while it was a planet and when it was discovered in like 1930 and everything like that um which i just read on google while i was googling it i didn't just remember that fact um appreciate your honesty uh, i would have taken you at your word <laughs> uh but i also think that because like it's still in our solar system and everything like that even if it is a dwarf planet that it's a planet yeah and also he knows that anybody who's listening to this who's listening to astrophysics for people in a hurry who have four hours we, we care about pluto like you can't just and we watch neil grass tyson neil degrasse tyson yeah, Neil Why deGrasse. is that hard to say? Because you probably want to call it Neil deGrasse Tyson, because I've called him Neil I deGrasse Tyson <laughs> for years, and I thought it so was that, that. And then that he, alone tells you a lot about his target audience, which are people in their probably late twenties to mid thirties mm -hmm. when he was popular for science class. Yeah, yeah, yes. And then he said his own name when he was reading the book, and it's deGrasse. And I went, "Ooh, oops, sorry, my dude." Um, <laughs> he also has a comet named after him. Apparently, somebody like of course named a comet after him in his honor and he was he's like, earned it. he's like he's like i'm just really happy that it is not nor has it ever been on a tra trajectory with earth so boop. i think uh, that's fair yeah also jupiter has like a bunch of stuff where it basically like stops comets from hitting us all the time like a big brother that protects us so like that's kind of cool like it pulls it into its like orbit instead of it coming yeah. our way yeah like it like, yeah, like it, yeah it takes some and then manages to like shove some away I can't remember exactly yeah, it's that it's that like it. it's that like fling effect right where it can come into their orbit but then fling out the other direction essentially instead mm -hmm. of just circling yeah 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 so it's protecting us and if it wasn't there we probably wouldn't be here so like that's kind of really Jupiter. cool like you're the best love you your best friend um 
and so yeah so it's just like all kinds of like random like the book is just like one chock full of just like random little facts like that that are just like little nuggets of information that are going to stick in there forever um it's written really well like never at one point was i was like i don't understand what you're talking about because like he Mm -hmm. explains it and you don't also feel dumb like he's not explaining in like in some like condescending way where you just feel like an idiot for not knowing this like even when he explained like e equals mc squared it's like mc he's like the c squared is the speed of light and he was like the rest of it just reminds us that when you take the mass of an item and you multiply it against that you just get reminded what the energy output is and i was like oh yeah i do get reminded of that energy output because i knew it that's what i think of like the way he phrased it like that i was just like oh yeah thanks it's just like a reminder like we're not discovering it it's fine we just already knew it so he's always been good at like that simplifying the mm -hmm. complicated like it's a skill yeah he also pronounces water order water order yeah, order like yeah. the way that they say it on Where's the east coast. From he's gonna oh, be somewhere that's probably, like yeah. east coast, south. I don't know. Order. Anytime anyone calls it water, I also wonder if they wash their hands in the water and it makes probably. So if you enjoy people saying water, you should listen to it because it's yeah. Uh, I will definitely it might be like Boston. <laughs> it's something like that. It's somewhere over on that side for sure. Um, but I I will honestly probably read it again. One, it's a short book, like. I got it from nice. the library on like an ebook from the library. Like I might actually like buy it because it's super short. You could easily like just like pick up random chapters and like go through and just like keep kind of learning more stuff. And I do think if I were to read it that I would just remember more. And also how fun yeah. to have all these random little factoids. Like now that I know that Jupiter protects us, like how cool. I love fun facts. And things like that. Yeah. So five out of five, like it was written so well. So And it's like, like I laughed out loud like multiple times like he makes a fart joke at one point like oh my god I love it's, him. As, it's as a footnote too so like you get to the end of like the chapter oh with your footnote and that's where the toot joke is and it's that's of amazing course, of course he calls it flatulence you know it's gotta be yeah all, you gotta be all scientific about it yeah anyway. if you're gonna make a fart joke in a science book you gotta be official yeah and so yeah so it's just like all kinds of like little things like that are that are like sprinkled in and i feel i will say there are more kind of more of the funnier ones are like earlier on at least maybe it, I just so he like eases funny. you into some of the science mm-hmm. and then kind of yeah. goes into it a little more yeah, yeah and it's like okay now that you're here like we can take a little bit like now you have that a base understanding and he'll even take another like, step yeah and he'll be like call back he's like i remember how like earlier we talked about this and i was mm. like nope didn't remember Candy. that but thank you for the reminder because once he puts it in the words or says it out loud you're like oh yeah you did tell me that like four chapters ago okay like oh yeah reminder thank you yeah and like this like four hour book is split into like 12 chapters so like you could easily just be like oh let's just pop into this one so yeah definitely recommend five out of five. Oh, yeah that sounds really good yeah i'd seen that book and i was interested but again science usually is just like way over my head and it gives me a headache but this mm-hmm. one sounds like probably doable mm-hmm. i would say read it though like if you find yourself with time to read versus listen because i mean or listen like his it's still nice to listen to you just want to absorb as much yeah. Yeah, I think reading it would probably help me, especially like we were talking about earlier, like the visualizing. Like, I think sometimes Mm -hmm. I need to like be able to like think about it. You know what I mean? For a second. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what it is. Like, and when I'm reading, I can stop and be like, hey, what are we doing versus when I'm listening? And like, he just keeps going. And I'm like, yeah, he's not stop. Yeah, but I'm like, oh, already moved on. So does not pause for visualization. No, he does not, which is fine because then it'd be a much longer listen. But he's a nice, he's a good narrator. Like it's a very good pace, and because it's also science, I did just listen to it at like one x. Like I didn't speed it up at all, and mm-hmm. it's, it's that's why nice pace. Yeah, and like I didn't feel like where I was like, oh my gosh, could you say your sentences faster? Which is what yeah. I usually do with narrators, where I'm like, speak faster. So yeah, yeah all around, definitely recommend. So wow. 
Uh, I'm glad you didn't pick true crime. Like, what a great choice. <laughs> I know, we're learning things and learning that science would be fun. Look at us go. So. That's, like, the only thing I really like about nonfiction is, like, there is that opportunity to, like, learn stuff. Like, I learn stuff in fiction, too, but, like, I have to Google it to make sure it's real and the author mm-hmm. didn't just, like, make shit up. But, like, yes. nonfiction, it's, like, they're trying to teach you a thing or tell you about a thing that actually happened. So, like, that's one of the things I do really appreciate about nonfiction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, like, learning. I feel like I'm learning a lot more things. Like, and I have read some fiction books that are kind of more based in science. Yeah. And, like, and I know, like, Andy Weir, we've covered before. Like, he looked, He does his science. He does his research. He knows what he's talking about. He totally about. does. But I'm sure at some point in that fiction, it's a stretch. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yes, like, that's yeah. not necessarily full truth. Like, he uses, like, half-truths sometimes to get to mm-hmm. the point. Yeah, or like, well, it's sweaty. Possible. Like it's sort of accurate, but, but not is it, quite. <laughs> could it actually happen in real yeah. life? Maybe not. Um, oh my god! Now I gotta go read, read Project Hail Mary. It's gonna happen. Oh, so good! I love that book. Okay. Um, what's super fun though on this science is next episode we're doing sci-fi. <gasps> That's right! So wow, we're, gonna, we're gonna roll right Where in. Where you go? Keep with the science, but now mix in the fiction, and yeah, we'll see how. How well our authors do. See how it uh, holds up. Keeping, yeah, keeping the realness in there if we like it or not. I'll talk about the science specifically. Yes. I'll take some notes and Google <laughs> it and let you know how accurate it is. Yeah. So everybody come back two weeks, prepare to learn a thing about a thing. And <laughs> yeah, but in the meantime, you can hit us up on social media. Instagram is Net Bedtime, Twitter, IIPYB underscore pod, and TikTok is Net Bedtime. And yeah, hope y'all enjoyed. I mean, there was murder, but then there was science. Science and murder. What more could you want? Variety. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Bye.